Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chickdays. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, if you're one of our Wisconsin deer hunters that was disappointed by the season this year, guess what? You're not alone. Josh had a chance to catch up with Kevin Wallenfang, big game specialist at the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, yesterday as the harvest numbers from 2019's gun deer season was released. And boy, I'll tell you, there were probably a lot of reasons why the numbers were down, but we're off at least a good 25% in harvest numbers compared to last year. We're talking about that after 5.30. How are you this morning? Weather-wise, I think we're all doing pretty peachy, don't you? Oh, by the way, I'm PM Yankee. Thanks for joining us. So for today, sunshine back in the forecast. Another fairly mild day. 38 are expected high. Tomorrow, same situation, partly sunny and 37. Friday, we cool down a little bit. High only around 29, but still with sunshine. Saturday, we bounce back up to 38 degrees. And by the time that uh, we're at Lambeau Field on Sunday for the game, sunshine and 44. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will join us in a little bit, bringing us more weather details. And also up before 6 o'clock, time to pay attention to the details on your bottom line. Farmers have been trying to manage through a very challenging 2019 with the weather and with finances. We're talking about tax planning today, not December 31st, today with Jan Schaffner from Compure Financial after 530 Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Compeer Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compeer Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our unique perspective finds solutions to your challenges. And our specially trained financial team guides you every step of the way. Partner with us to make your goals possible. Compeer.com. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Well, we're looking forward to the big Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting and convention in Wisconsin Dells this weekend. I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And Pam, that's going to be a big deal, that 100th anniversary. But there's also a national organization that we can't forget about. You bet, Scott. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And we will see you starting Friday with the Young Farmer Activities up in Wisconsin Dells. Right on through the business session on Monday. And of course, uh, Jim Holt announcing earlier this year that he's going to be stepping down as president of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation so he can spend more time at home and... And now the big question is, who will take over leadership next? Leadership is exactly what they're looking for out in Washington, D.C. Farm Bureau members, along with farmers across the countryside, waiting to find out what's going to happen with important issues like ratification of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Josh Scrambling got a chance to visit with the vice president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Scott Vanderwall, about USMCA and other important issues farmers are still waiting for action on. 
Josh? It's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report, and right now I am joined by... Scott Vanderwall, President of South Dakota Farm Bureau and Vice President of American Farm Bureau. All right, now in your role as VP as American Farm Bureau, you have a very broad-reaching look over the entire U.S. What are the themes that you are seeing all throughout the U.S., the issues that are facing uh, Farm Bureau members and then farmers in general? I think top of that list would be uh, a concern about USMCA being ratified by Congress. Uh, to be able to put that uh, trade agreement with uh, Canada and Mexico, uh, finalize it basically and, and get it done would be a huge thing for U.S. agriculture. Number one, to be able to say we've uh, put a deal together with our neighbors. Uh, you know, they're our friends from a trade perspective. And uh, we supported the old NAFTA agreement, but USMCA uh, improved on that a little bit, as well as updated it for technology and things like that. And then to be able to go to the world with the credibility where we can say we put this deal together with our neighbors and now we want to work with you, whether it's Japan, China, the European Union, any of the Pacific Rim countries, that's highly important to be able to do that. Yeah, and if you could put it into words, just like I can't stress to people enough, if USMCA gets left on the table through the next election, how detrimental would that be? Oh, that, that would be a very uh, huge disappointment for American agriculture. Um, first of all, uh, Congress can really do what's right and show that they can do some bipartisan things by putting politics, politics aside for a little bit and go ahead and pass that because we think we got the votes. Uh, there's, there's enough Democrats on, the, on their side of the aisle that support it. They know it's the right thing to do. Um, so that would be huge for American agriculture. If we lose that and NAFTA disappeared at the same time, that would be just absolutely tragic for our um, for our ag economy, and when you consider the fact that 96 percent of the consumers in the world are outside our borders, that's where we have to focus on. We can't use all the products we raise in this country, so we have to export them. We have to develop those international uh, contracts. Now, with the AFBF team in such close proximity to the Capitol in Washington D.C. How closely are you guys working with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle across the country on a day-to-day basis? Oh, we, we work with everybody all the time. You know, we've got a very strong lobbyist team in D.C. Uh, they're up on the hill all the time working with whoever will listen to them. Uh, we've got certain contacts, uh, whether it's these or ours, uh, that have uh, the best of, of agriculture's interests in their minds, and that's who we work with. And we reach out to whoever will listen. You know, it's a it's a real education process. There's very few people actually in the House of Representatives that represent any agriculture in their district. And a lot of times they'll say, well, that doesn't affect me. Well, it does, because if you eat, you are interested in agriculture. And that's one of the things we have to impress upon them, that it's a national security issue to, be, to pay attention to the economic health and the, and the best interests of our ag industry. Well, it's interesting you say that because we're always talking about bridging the gap with consumers. You just think average people at the grocery market, but it's also congressmen, congresswomen, members of Congress. They're also consumers. So I never really thought about having to bridge that gap on Capitol Hill. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, people are further removed from the farm all the time. And that's the, the challenge that we have to deal with, both from Farm Bureau and groups like U.S. Uh, Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. It's education and helping them understand this is where their food comes from. And the fact that we take care of the environment, the, the water, the air, our animals, the soil, those are all things that enable us to do what we do, to raise food for the American public. And, and it's not just food anymore. It's, it's uh, clothing fiber, it's fuel. It's all these things that make our country grow, go. And, and people don't realize how important it is. And we're probably our worst enemy, our own worst enemy, because we're so good at it 
and it's all transparent. Mm-hmm. The food just shows up in the grocery store. People don't see what it takes to get it to the farm to the grocery store shelves. Mm-hmm. Now, zeroing in on another issue and something that you guys have kind of been at the forefront of, talk to me about the need for rural broadband because, especially in northern Wisconsin, I mean, you get up there, you're talking some pretty remote regions, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with you being in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, talk to me on a nationwide scale. Uh, why is that such an important issue that needs to be addressed? Well, that's a great question, and, and it really affects all industries, but agriculture is really at the tip of the spear on that because we're all over. We're, you know, we're out in those most remote regions, whether it's farmers or ranchers, and to do business in this um, modern um, uh, era that we're in, you have to have uh, access to the Internet. It's not a luxury anymore. If you're going to buy inputs, if you're going to try to develop your markets, um, find resources to, to improve your, your operation... Um, you have to have inter- access to that internet, and getting that broadband out there so it's available for everybody is just extremely crucial. And that's one of our top priorities to help Congress understand that. And there's a bill that we've supported recently to uh, do a study and make sure that these coverage maps are accurate, because we know they're not at this point. And then once we have those accurate maps in place, then we'll be able to really attack the areas where our coverage is poor and make sure we fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd ask you the same question uh, along the lines that I did with USMCA. Are you getting resistance from members of Congress? I know there's people like John Tester from Montana that are at the forefront of that. But what about other people in, in uh, other states? Just about without exception, when you talk to our representatives in Congress, they'll agree that the, that the uh, trade agreement is a good thing. And then they start talking about all the politics behind it. And that's why I say it's time for Congress to put politics aside and do a bipartisan thing and get it passed. And that's their opportunity to really do the right thing amid all these different upheavals and things that are going on in Washington that are detrimental to to the national interest. What advancements in sustainability are you guys seeing across ag? Oh, that's a great question. And we can just talk all day about that. I got time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, agriculture is doing a lot of things already in regard to sustainability, whether it's biotechnology that lets us use uh, uh, lower pesticide levels or crop protection products to um, uh, precision agriculture, where it's the electronic, the guidance system, auto steer, but it also lets us use um, uh, variable rate technology. We can vary the rate of our seed. We can vary the rate of fertilizer, so we're not wasting it on poor ground. And it probably increases the rate on good ground, so we get better production. Um, When we talk about things like reduced tillage, um, cover crops, all these things that we're doing that that not only serve as a carbon sink, but it holds the soil in place, keeps the water clean, those are all things that we're doing now. And in addition to that, we're looking to improve every day. If we find a new way to do something, uh, maybe like methane digesters for livestock operations, where we can use that energy to create uh, electricity or something, those are things that are fairly new and fairly expensive, but they're coming. And those are, those are things that farmers and ranchers like to latch onto and really take a look at when they become available. And then are there any other issues that uh, we haven't talked about that you guys are trying to zero in on in Washington and American Farm Bureau Federation? Well, we like to, we've had a lot of problems in agriculture this year, you know, with planting and the economic things are, aren't so good. But one thing that we point to as a major victory for Farm Bureau right now is the fact that the, the old waters of the U.S. rule has been withdrawn by the EPA, and they're working on a replacement rule. And we're told that should come sometime after the first of the year. Um, 
the two problems we had with that, and we've been fighting it since uh, 2015, it was not done correctly. They didn't follow the administrative procedures rule. And then also um, several courts have ruled and put an injunction on it and ruled that it was unconstitutional and that it, it was grabbing land from the states and taking states' rights away. The states really should be able to take care of their own water issues rather than having a, a nameless, faceless bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. decide it. So with, with the situation that the EPA has withdrawn that, they're working on a replacement rule, which we're optimistic will be much more clear and allow farmers and ranchers to have certainty about what part of their farm may be under federal jurisdiction and what parts aren't. And recognizing that we want to take care of the water on our farms. That's what we live on. We drink the water that's under the farm, and, and that's what raises our crops. Uh, a certain amount of regulation is needed, but not over-regulation. So we're looking for a common-sense rule, and we'll be urging our members to comment on that rule when it's put out um, for its final form. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Vanderwall. That is Scott Vanderwall. He is the president of South Dakota Farm Bureau as well as the vice president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling the shine and diamonds but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days they may have that traditional feel that traditional customer service but they also have the new modern looks of today stop in and take a look at their jewelry case talk to the staff find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create go online goodmansjewelers.com TDS Fiber, the future of internet, TV, and phone service, is expanding to more communities. Register now at tdsfiber.com slash radio. Enjoy internet speeds up to 1 gig at your home or business. That's 10 times faster than 100 meg from cable. Plus, change the way you watch TV with our whole home DVR. Can't get that with cable. Powerful internet, premium services. Go to tdsfiber.com slash radio to register, learn about bonus offers, and more. TDS Fiber available in certain areas. See website for details. The scenery is breathtaking, the people amazing. I'm Pam Yankee, inviting you to join me on our next agriculture adventure to Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. We'll begin with three nights in Glasgow. Then it's on to Edinburgh and tour of the capital cities of Belfast and Dublin. With agricultural highlights like an Ireland dairy farm and an expansive rural life museum. Email me, pam, at midwestfarmreport.com or call 800 826 If Old McDonald was real and actually had a farm, she'd talk about it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 520 as we get rolling on a Wednesday morning, and it's pretty comfortable out there right now. It looks like it's going to be kind of a carbon copy of yesterday. Let's find out. Stu Mockhag, meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. I made comment uh, this morning about how I'm pretty grateful for this mild weather, but not for obvious reasons. When I come to work... 
I got about a three-mile stretch. I don't have to go very far, but I got a three-mile stretch. But as you well know, my boy, any place that you've got to go at 2 in the morning, having a little color makes it a little more entertaining, easier to talk yourself into the day. And I've been really fortunate. The nice weather has allowed a lot of people to put up beautiful Christmas lights, holiday lights that uh, are there when I'm coming into the office. And it definitely puts a smile on my face versus cold and ugly. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the the white, and then as soon as that snow starts melting off, it has that kind of muddy brown look that's left over. Eh, it kind of takes the fire out of it. You're right. We are going to see a little more of that happen, more of that snow melting off today or compressing, if you will. Not that there's a whole lot left here in the southern part of the state, but high pressure has slipped off to our northeast. We'll have some sunshine again and nice temperatures. Yesterday, believe it or not, at the airport in Madison, we hit 43 degrees. Wasn't quite that warm elsewhere, but I expect another day like that. Very upper 30s, almost 40. We'll talk about just a fast-moving, weak little Alberta clipper. That builds through by late tomorrow, and that's why by Friday then that we see the cool air settle in. Friday, the coolest day of the week, and then it turns around again for the weekend, warming up back to that above-normal level. Anything in the mid-30s is above normal now, and that's where we'll be come Saturday, Sunday. Another small system building in late in the weekend. Again, could mean some scattered or rain or even more snow should be on the lighter side at that time. It is going to stay pretty mild, at least starting next week, getting cooler through the course of the week, though that's how things start to look. I'll have forecast details right after this. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success, like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Edinburgh, Belfast, Dublin, those are just a few of the stops on our next agriculture adventure. I'm Pam Yankee, inviting you to come along. Scotland and Northern Ireland are next destinations, September 15th through the 25th. We'll visit the Titanic Belfast Museum, take in the breathtaking Giant's Causeway. We'll also tour the cities of Belfast and Dublin. For details, call 800-826-2266 or go to MidwestFarmReport.com. All righty, Stubby. Tell me a little bit more about what I can prepare for today. It sounds like I better keep a towel around for the Sheltie dog's feet, though. I'm sure of that. Uh, it's going to be getting a little more sloppy as things warm up again. Look for a fair amount of sunshine. Call it partly sunny. More clouds north than south. And we ought to be in the very upper 30s or around 40. The northwest winds 5 to 15. A little gusty around 25. Overnight, partly cloudy. We drop back to 26. Northwest winds 5 to 15. Mostly cloudy on Thursday will be, again, near 40. Upper 30s, about 40. South winds at 5 to 10. Then that clipper zips on through here. Uh, not that we expect any snow. There could be flurries as far north as Wausau, further north then. Mostly sunny then Friday after the clipper. Upper 20s, near 30 for a high. The north winds at 5 to 15. Some sunshine starting the weekend, Pam, back in the mid and upper 30s. So just a little cool hiccup for Friday. All right. Firm up the ground for just a minute. Sounds good. Thanks, Stu. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you then. 
Stumach is our ag meteorologist with the weather details. And uh, around the state again this morning, we're all waking up in pretty much the same situation. La Crosse, you're clear right at 32. Mauston, clear in 30 degrees. Fond du Lac, clear in 30 degrees. Oshkosh, partly cloudy and 28. At the airport in Madison, clear skies and 30 degrees. You know, the weather is in part what we're blaming for really low numbers on the deer harvest this year, Josh Scrambling got a chance to uh, be on hand as they released the 2019 gun deer season results from the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. He talked with the big game ecologist that's kind of overseeing all those numbers, and he'll have those details for you coming up after 530. Don't forget, check out our new website, MidwestFarmReport.com. It's 525. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, the end of the calendar year is right around the corner. Time to make some decisions. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street, Sun Prairie. Yeah, I know. It's only November, but you need to talk to your tax advisor right now. See if buying a new vehicle for your business is going to reduce your tax bill. It's called Section 179, and lots of Chevy vehicles qualify. To use the 179 deduction, you need to do a couple things. The vehicle has to be titled in the company's name. It has to be used for business at least 50% of the time, and it's got to be placed into service before the end of this calendar year. Chuck Yebs, my buddy that's working in the fleet and commercial area, can help you out, or any of the staff at Zimbrick Chevrolet. Remember, they are a business elite dealer. That means you get extended service hours, work-ready loaners, and a smiling face in Chuck Ebbs that can work you through all of the right business decisions. Find out more today. Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. 
Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit madisonpolice.com for more information. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Wisconsin. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result? It transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. High school sports. There's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association and the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association. We got the axe back, Bernie, and we asked you last week, you said, uh, you know, what was a bigger deal, winning the Big Ten West and getting the Big Ten Championship game or the axe? And you were like, dude, the axe. And, the you axe, know, I baby. love seeing this. I don't know. I'm sure you saw this because uh, your connection to the program that the, they got a police escort back in the airport and they immediately walked it right back into the trophy case. It's like Monopoly, do not pass go, do not collect $200. It's like axe right back to the case. Well, and it's right back to where it should be. I, I saw so many tweets that it was like everyone said, order restored, which is so funny to me. And then I saw all the best memes of P.J. Fleck I've ever seen. Everyone rowing a boat, all like the sad music. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't be more happy and, and laugh so hard and be so excited for a piece of wood to be back in a trophy. <laughs> Did you see uh, Chris Orr's comments after the game saying that you know, Minnesota was disrespecting the Axe and disrespecting all the players that came before them and disrespecting the tradition by making money off of it and parading it around and selling tickets to see it? Well, I mean, listen, dude, when your program needs help, it doesn't have a roof that has, you know, you don't play in the Metrodome anymore and it's like 20 degrees. You've got to do everything you can. You're only going to get the Axe back, like, what do you think, once a decade, if that? So... Make as much money as you can. It is disrespectful, but I'm not going to lie. I would pay to carry the axe around one more time. What's it feel like so, when you're praying around with the axe, Bernie? Dude, it, it's so cool. I mean, it's so like long. It's just it's not a regular axe, but it's just so fun to run around, chop down the goalposts. Like, you saw how happy those dudes look. It's, that is like one of the best days of your life ever. Uh, visiting with our guy, Matt Bernstein. All right, so now you, you get to the Big Ten Championship game, Bernie. Uh, how do you 
go back at Ohio State after what we saw in October? I mean, what what's the the message this week if you're on this team? You know, as you prepare for round two of Ohio State. I mean, we're, it's like David and Goliath. If, I would I would constantly keep saying that. You know, look at how we played against Minnesota, against Michigan. We looked. We had the momentum a lot of the game. Hey, we even gave up a touchdown on the first drive and then came back and basically stomped out Minnesota. And you know what? I just want to be that competitive and play like that. You know, when our guys do that, we we can compete with anybody. We just have to do that. So I think, you know, I think the coaches are going to go back to the film, look at where we were successful against Ohio State, look at where we weren't, which is like that off, you know, like C-gap run game, like the stretch um, the stretch zone, which every team has been killing us on, and put guys in the hole and, and, and tell guys, hey, listen, you got to man up this week. This is a Big Ten championship against the number one team in the nation. Well, Bernie, did you do you think it was like we, were, we saw a little view into the game plan coming against Ohio State? Jack Cohen actually was throwing the ball downfield. Quintus Cephas was unbelievable. Jack Cohen looked unbelievable. And what do they do against Ohio State the first time? They just ran Jonathan Taylor right up the middle. Do you think we're going to see Jack Cohen unleashed against the Buckeyes? I mean, I hope so. It opens up the whole rest of the game plan when you can pass the ball. You know, it's like when you run, it opens up the pass. When you pass, it opens up the run. Look at how good Jonathan Taylor, that catch was unbelievable where he backed into the end zone. Oh, my God. I was screaming. my. I was like, oh, I hate this play. Touchdown. Oh, I love this play. My dad was <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah, and, and, well, I mean, as a running back, I'm sure the running back can tell he's always hammer it. But you know, to Ebo's point, and we've been kind of saying this the last few weeks, and I think you, you see Bernie why this team was so excited, you know, to have Cephas back this year. I mean, that guy is a legitimate. NFL wide receiver he's a game changer and you know you talk about an unstoppable two-headed monster if you really get this passing game going with Cephas how much easier does it make the job for Jonathan Taylor in the offensive line if you got a guy like Cephas doing what he did on Saturday I mean you got to move guys out of the box you know you got to put you got to have safeties that aren't playing seven yards in the box and playing 15 yards out of the box so it opens up the run game but see, this is great, man. Ferguson, you know, like, we got guys. We got guys who can catch the ball and get open, and we got a guy who can throw the ball. If, if Jack Cohn's on, he is on. Like, he throws laser beams. You know, and if you got guys making plays, like JT catching that rock, you know, who knows what could happen. I was telling Nelson that I think we need a special teams touchdown and maybe a defensive touchdown as well. But, you know, I want our guys to compete, you know, like, Go out there like the axes on the line. Yeah. Uh, visiting with former Badger fullback Matt Bernstein. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, Nelly Burn, let me get your take on this. He says that the, the only way Wisconsin wins is to win in a shootout, that they just got to light up the scoreboard. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. 535 now on a Wednesday morning. Did you know back on this day in 1991, Pan Am ceased operations? It had been the largest airline in the United States, started back in 1927 and folded on this date back in 1991. On this date back in 1980, Led Zeppelin broke up. They broke up after 12 years with the death of their drummer. And on this date in 1791, First Sunday Paper was published, a British newspaper. And it became the first newspaper in the world that was published and read on a Sunday. And now you know. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of disappointed deer hunters across the state of Wisconsin and elsewhere this year. 
2019 didn't pan out the way that we had hoped when it came to the harvest. Yesterday, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources released the actual numbers, and it looks like the deer harvest was down about 25% compared to last year. Josh Scramlin had a chance to visit with some of the DNR staff evaluating those numbers. A preliminary report from the Wisconsin DNR shows that 160,769 deer were registered during the nine-day gun deer hunt season in 2019. That is compared to 213,972 in 2018. And to get to the bottom of it, I spoke with Kevin Wallenfang. He is the big game ecologist with the Wisconsin DNR. Well, we are certainly down from where we were last year. Um, You know, we're not looking at all-time record low kills or anything like that, but um, when you compare it to where we were last year, uh, we're down, you know, statewide totals about 25%. Our buck kill is down. Our antlerless kill is down. Um, so, you know, leading up to the gun season, we're cruising right along, doing very well. Our numbers were very, very similar through the archery and crossbow season as they were last year. But, um, you know, we had a lot of factors at play this year that really affected our overall deer harvest during the gun season. Yeah, let's talk about some of those factors. The first one that comes to mind for me is weather. How did the weather impact the season? Well, you know, that's kind of an individual thing, and you have to ask each hunter how it affected them. But, you know, overall, there was no question. You know, we had nice weather during the opening weekend. Um, Deer activity did not seem to be real great. Um, But as the season went on, we got big winds. Uh, We got lots of rain in the north. They had a couple of days of blizzard up there, which really shut things down. Um, You know, even after, after that snow let up, getting into some of those spots was really tough so uh, the weather certainly affected the season itself leading up through it um, you know this is the farm report and I'm sure there's a lot of farmers out there wishing that they had more of their corn off the fields right now but that affects our deer harvest mm-hmm. at the now we're at the end of the gun season and the numbers I've seen say we've still we're like 22 or so days behind on corn harvest so that leaves a lot of acres out there where deer can go uh, have a place to hide yeah and do you notice uh, in years past that standing crop has been as big of an issue as it was this year with the hunt? Well, it there's no question about it that when the corn is down, it has an impact. Uh, it pushes those deer out of the cornfield, into the woods, into the wetlands where, where people are more likely to be hunting. So it just gives them less places to hide and it has an impact. It's difficult to measure um, but certainly, you know, anecdotally, when you talk to hunters, they say, boy, we had a lot of standing corn and, mm-hmm. and we pushed the corn and deer came out and things like that. It, it matters. Yeah. So. We talk about weather. We talk about standing crop. Are there any other factors that you guys at the DNR are seeing that impacted this year? Well, the biggest one was probably the timing of the season. Um, you know, we always open on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, but that can change by a week, mm-hmm. you know, with the shift in the calendar. So uh, last year we went from the earliest opener possible to the latest opener possible this year on the calendar and when we've seen that before we've seen similar decreases in the overall deer kill so it's a little more this year than normal and I think because the weather later in the season just prevented people from getting out or uh, you know or or giving them the desire to even go out it's pretty hard to look out the window and see it raining and go oh boy you know so uh, I think that certainly affects people and we've heard a lot of that this year. And then let's talk about county by county was there any county that saw an increase or a decrease in total harvest 
Well, most counties saw a decrease this year, and the counties with the most significant decreases were in the far northern part of the state. So those are uh, the counties that, um, you know, there was some snow on the opening weekend, and it was nice conditions. I hunted in the far north, and um, but, you know, when they got dumped on with a foot to two to three feet of snow in some areas, that really shut down the harvest for a lot of folks, just couldn't, you know, the access was a problem for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then going forward, what we've talked about it a little bit, but what are the concerns that you have in your position over the next five or ten years? Well, you know, chronic wasting disease is a big one for us here in Wisconsin, and, you know, there's a lot we don't know about chronic wasting disease, and we continue to learn about it. We have research going on now to see how that may impact your uh, numbers in the long term. Um, but certainly, you know, we've already talked about two of them. Fewer hunters out there to manage more deer is going to make things challenging. Kevin Wallenfang, big game ecologist with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, along with our Josh Scramlin. So again, this year's gun deer season down about 25% as far as harvested numbers compared to a year ago. It's 541. Kind of like a slap in the face, the way that Mother Nature has decided to change on us. Fabulous farm babe Bam Yankee here for my buddies at McFarland's right there in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street, where everything is under one roof. And I'll tell you what, if you got surprised by how quickly the elements changed, hey, McFarland's has your back. So drop on by if you're looking for those winter tires you're going to depend on through these long winter months. Or maybe it's a project you wanted to finish up on the house. Maybe it's something about windows or doors or making sure your house is ready for the winter. They've got it all under one roof. Or maybe it's something out in the tool shed. Maybe you need to winterize that lawnmower or maybe get it ready for spring next year. Or maybe it's a tune-up on that snowblower. Maybe the chainsaw needs attention. Hey, Whatever it is, McFarland's has you covered all under one roof. Don't believe me? Stop by for yourself. 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. Markets are mixed overnight. Everybody trying to get a bead on how many corn acres will get planted next year. A lot of analysts say it's going to be about how much money farmers will have at their disposal to be able to plant corn. March corn is down a penny and a quarter at 380. January beans are up a penny at 872. The wheat for March is down a penny and a half at 523 and three quarters. July new crop wheat down a penny and a quarter, 529 and three quarters. Barrel cheese yesterday gained a half a cent to 226 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese was up a penny and a half, 194 and three quarters. Double A butter that dropped two and three quarters cents yesterday to a dollar 94 and a quarter per pound. Coming up next, got to watch that bottom line, managing our taxes today instead of December 31st. That's what we're talking about next. Stick around. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, 
this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. This is one of the trips you will never forget. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure to Scotland and Northern Ireland. Castles, cows, and culture, that's some of what we've got in store. We'll start with three nights in Glasgow. Cruise Loch Lamont. Tour the Inverary Castle, then it's on to Edinburgh and capital cities of Belfast and Dublin. Along the way, we'll visit an Irish dairy farm and an expansive rural life museum. Let's not forget about the Titanic Belfast Museum and a breathtaking view of Giant's Causeway. It's all included, along with your airfare, accommodations, and more. Get details. Call 800-826-2266. You can send me an email, pam at midwestfarmreport.com or go to holidayvacations.com and enter keyword PAM. Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. Join us. Crowing at the crack of dawn. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The end of the calendar year. Yes, it is just around the corner. It has not been a year that necessarily farmers will remember for positive, but they are optimistic about 2020. Time to chat with our friends from Compere Financial. They are always at the side of farmers, be it good years or challenging years like this one, trying to make sure that they're moving ahead for profitability. And joining us today, Jan Shafter. She's one of their tax development managers, and I'm sure that she's getting busy, busy, busy at this time of the year. Jan, you know, although we're not to the end of the calendar year, you really stress that even in years as challenging as 2019, bookend by 2018, which was equally challenging, there's still some planning that needs to go into your your tax approach, huh? Yes, we strongly advise that even in years that it seems that there is no profit, we really want to stress to uh, manage your taxes. And sometimes we actually want to slow down expenses or bring in income possibly just to so we can have adequate income to qualify for certain deductions. We really stress that having those solid numbers so you know exactly where you're starting from, so maybe your January to October profit and loss. And then we're, we're able to give actually a very reasonable projection for November and December, and based off of those um, projections, we can manage or kind of place where we want to end for the calendar year. Uh, we can actually do something about it now before year-end rather than waiting to come into February and March when we cannot change it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had this conversation last year, Jan. 2018, again, was not a, a, a big year by any stretch of the imagination when it came to profitability on our farms. And managing those losses, uh, transferring them into different years, I mean, you guys are specialists at keeping your eye on the ball for those kinds of things. Yes, we like to make sure that we're ahead of the game. We want to be able to uh, foresee what we can do to change the end result, right? Um, We don't want to do a one-size-fits-all, just go do all your prepays or buy that equipment. Um, We want to make sure we know where we're at. We want to make sure that we don't just um, kind of glaze over. We want to ensure that we're utilizing, let's just say, the standard deduction. Make sure we're using up this permanent tax deduction where we can bring in non-farm income and pay no tax on it. We also want to look back at 2018 and what the tax reform brought to us. 
we are able to utilize some of those uh, higher um, write-offs, for instance, a Section 179. But we also don't want to get too aggressive where we could actually hurt ourselves down the road by having less depreciation then and actually having a cash flow issue there as well. So we want to reflect of what 2018 tax reform brought. We want to manage that um, and make that perfect scenario for 2020 as, as we move on to the next year as well. Did we have any tax changes or any uh, changes at all, Jan, in 2019 that agriculture needs to be mindful of? There are certain ones that will affect um, more so on the partnership level. There are some different reporting requirements on that. We're still dealing with the qualified business income deduction that was brought to us through the 2018 tax reform. Um, That will affect those who sell to co-ops. Um, they are still given a pass-through at that level as well. So there's things that, for 2019, not major changes, um, but it's kind of having that uh, advice in, in your back corner to making sure that it all fits together in one perfect picture for yourself. Well, and you know, the other thing that we can't ignore is there are some folks that are listening that may have gone through liquidation of their herd, uh, may have sized down or had a big transaction just to kind of keep the books looking halfway decent. But those big transactions, be it an auction, be it sale of a parcel, you guys really need to handle that gently. Yes, you're very correct because... So many times we see other returns done that are missing certain deductions. Uh, Wisconsin law is favorable to uh, selling a herd, for instance, um, selling a piece of land that we need to basically, you know, to debt uh, payment, debt servicing. We want to make sure that we capture all of the deductions and credits that are out there available to farmers as they go through this. It's a very tough time, very uh, stressful time, but knowing that someone's in your corner looking out for you and your business and how do we manage these taxes um, and not pay more or pay less, but we want to manage them to that optimal level. It's a very stressful time, and uh, personally, it's something that needs to be dealt with with somebody who knows agriculture tax law. Absolutely. You know, and I, I was just thinking about this the other day with our farm. You know, we had a just an, a lousy cropping year, but uh have to acknowledge that those government payments, they are still pretty much viewed as income, are they not, Jan? Correct. And they are, I think there's a second round coming through here. If they haven't, or they're very shortly possibly coming through again, so we want to make sure we take that into consideration um, so one might be surprised because they've serviced debt throughout the year, they actually end up with a higher tax liability than they thought they were going to have to because there's no cash in the checkbook per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that is one of those one of those feelings where you need an advisor to help you or coach you through how you're going to manage that, how you're going to live with that. Do you guys do that kind of strategy too, Jan? Not just uncovering the numbers, but okay, here's the situation. Now we've got to manage you through that situation. Correct. It's never a tax plan for one current year. I always look at my tax planning projections as, what about this year? What about next year? What about five years from now? It's not just looking right here, right now. We have to keep long-term in the vision because if we don't, we could actually um, tax plan ourselves into higher taxes down the road, and we don't want to do that. We want to make sure we take the whole picture in consideration, manage those taxes long-term, not just the short here and now. Well, and the other thing, some of our folks are getting to that age where they may be taking dividends. Maybe they've had a, a, you know some kind of IRA or something like that. Again, at first blush, you say, well, I have to cash this out because I've got to pay bills. But that's, coming, that's a whole different arena that your tax manager's got to be able to handle. 
You're right. Anytime you bring in any off-farm income into the picture as well, plays into the whole picture. And that could be IRAs, it could be selling land, it could be inheritance. Um, you know, all of this all together, you have to have somebody on your side that is year-round in your corner rooting for you and making sure that you're managing your profit and loss to that optimal level. Yeah, Jan Shafter is along with us. She's the tax development manager uh, with Compure Financial. And part of the reason, obviously, we'll be talking with Jan probably from now through first quarter of next year because their office gets so very busy right now with these kinds of questions. But you've also got a conference coming up, Jan, that uh, might be of interest to some of the folks, the Strengthening Your Roots workshops. Tell me about that. Yes, we are very excited to bring um, three departments together for the one day. We're going to have specialists experienced in crop insurance, the tax and accounting, uh, credit and lending will be there that will guide attendees through a very simple but yet collaborative approach to a business planning that um, encompasses the whole year, uh, our calendar year. So we're going to bring in what happens through the winter months and then in the spring and going into the summer. So we reflect what is happening on the farm directly back to how we can serve you as uh, your partner. Yeah, and the nice part about uh, the Strengthening Your Roots conference is it's taking place multiple locations through the month of January. I see Eau Claire, Wisconsin Dells, Onalaska, Watertown, Fond du Lac, Richland Center, Boscobel, Monroe, Burlington, Janesville. So you guys really have got a fantastic footprint for uh, southern Wisconsin. Yes, we have 10 locations. Um, They run, like you said, January 13th through the 24th. Uh, registration will be at 9.30 in the morning, and they will go until 3. Um, there's no cost to attend, and lunch is provided, but we do ask for advanced registration um, to uh, to sign up. So an excellent opportunity to get your three specialists under one roof for the day and watching them, how they kind of incorporate your a farm business into how the year uh, business planning will go for you. Absolutely. Everybody wondering what the credit situation is going to be, and obviously on the short term, What's the implications from this year on my taxes? Jan, good luck, kid. Tie a knot and hang on. It's, it's like this every year when we start visiting your uh, schedule. You are not in control. You just keep going. <laughs> That's our best time of the year, though. It's the most fun that we have. Yeah, well, you are going to see a lot of faces. I appreciate it, Jan. Jan Schaffner along with us. Again, she is uh, one of the tax development managers with Compure Financial, and she is one of the people, one of the faces you will see during their Strengthening Your Roots educational opportunity. They have a multiple locations, Eau Claire, Wisconsin Dells, Onalaska, Watertown, Fond du Lac, Richland Center, Boscobel, Monroe, Burlington, and Janesville. If uh, a date doesn't work, maybe another location with a different date will work. Find out more online, compeer.com, and make sure you're registering in advance with your local Compeer office and your uh, financial advisor, your tax advisor as well. That's our Compure Financial Update. I'm Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Is your biggest fear of having dirt?